Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. And he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Turn to the person next to you or just give two people a high five and tell them, when you say yes, the angel comes down. You may be seated. And so as we are coming to the end of this week and we know that tomorrow is Resurrection Day, right? Give God a praise for that, right? We celebrate our Lord's resurrection, right? Praise the Lord. And so... As we celebrate our Lord's resurrection, we have to understand something that the price that the Lord paid for our resurrection is one that is inclusive, meaning that when he paid the price, he paid the price so that all of us could receive those benefits. It is to say that when we look in scripture and we look in Genesis and we see the fall of man, he paid a price and everyone suffered. In Christ, he paid the price, and everyone is lifted to victory. The price that Jesus paid in restoring the relationship between God and man, we have to understand that in Genesis, that the will of man, if you could just put the points up, please. The will of man given to man was to live under the covering of God's blessing and glory and live like that from day to day living in perfect harmony with God, living under the covering of that blessing and that glory like an umbrella. It is to say that everything that man would do and everywhere that man would basically apply himself to in obedience to God's word, God's blessing and God's power would manifest in man's favor. We struggle every day. I don't know about you, but there is a war that takes place within the flesh, and the flesh warreth against the spirit, as Paul says, and the spirit warreth against the flesh. Why? Because the flesh wants to do its will. Meanwhile, the spirit wants to do the will of God. Because the flesh wants to be its own God. It wants to do what it wants to do. But the greatest benefit is when we are filled with the spirit of God, we understand that when we live the surrendered life to the will of God, meaning my will joined to his, then we understand that the daily life of the believer is not one that is common to a person that does not believe God. The lives that we live are not like those that other people live. We cannot compare ourselves in the sense to people who are not saved, and it's not bashing people who are not saved because we want them saved. 
but it is to let them know that there is something that distinguishes us from those that do not want to live within God's will. We overcome things. We transcend over things. I love that word transcend because in the actual Greek it means that we surmount. We go way above the things that we suffer. Therefore, when we see Jesus Christ at the cross, we see him surrendered to the Father's will. But we see Jesus defeating. It is interesting because as the Son continued to remain on his cross... Death and sin continue to be put lower and lower at the foot of the Lamb of God. Sometimes we wonder why is it that this affliction continues to just manifest itself and manifest itself. The question is, have we said yes to God in that area of life? Because the exit door as what Jesus shows us in Gethsemane, the exit door is manifested when we say yes. And sometimes saying yes will cost us tears. Sometimes saying yes just breaks us in half. Sometimes saying yes drives us to a point where we are just wrestling in our minds and we are trying to figure out the mind of God. But I'm here to tell you, don't try to figure God's mind out. You are wasting your time. If God was to reveal his mind in its fullness to you, you would cease to exist. Because no one can contain that. The will of God was so that man would live in that harmony every day. Every day, waking up and going to sleep. Every day, just in that bliss, in that relationship. I don't know about you, but when the Holy Spirit visits me and manifests his presence, because I can't control the Holy Spirit, but when the Spirit of God manifests in my prayer time, I don't know about you, but it's like, I don't want to go to work. You start feeling that anointing come on you. You start feeling all of a sudden this sense of supernatural power. You start looking at the foolish things that try to have its way inside your mind. And you start to bring those things down inside your mind. Because all of a sudden you went to a place called prayer. And in the place of prayer, you surrendered yourself to God's will. And when you surrender yourself to God's will in the place of prayer, something supernatural takes place. C.S. Lewis said it like this. I don't pray to change God. I pray so that I, I may be changed by God. And so what happens when man decides by his choice to execute his own will, the fall came. It's interesting because... The fall came as a result of negating the will of God. In so doing, he is put out of the garden. But then over millenniums later, we see another man named the second Adam. He is in a garden too, and he is wrestling with the will. But he wasn't just wrestling with his own. He was wrestling with all of our wills because Everyone in humanity, after the fall, they felt that vacuum, that empty space inside of them, wanting to do the will of God. But they felt that weak 
darkness inside of them that they knew that they could only get to a certain part in executing the will of God. Because when you taste that blessing and you taste the blessing in the presence of God, you want to keep doing God's will. But what happened was is that flesh and sin did not allow us to go to the full goal all the way to the very end so that we could then go back to that place. But then came one. One came, and he came into the garden, the garden in which all of humanity is in this place called Gethsemane. Some people think it's a great place. Oh, it's a garden. Let me tell you something. In Gethsemane, there's agony. In Gethsemane, there's brokenness. In Gethsemane, there is separation. In Gethsemane, your friends can't even reach you anymore. Why? Because the scripture tells us that when Jesus was praying, he invited his friends to the prayer meeting with him. And his friends did not come to that prayer meeting. There are prayer meetings that you will try to invite your friends to. Put into practice what I taught you. I rejoice watching you from up there. That is why when we say yes to the will of the Father, the Father is rejoicing, watching us put into practice what he has taught us. What we put into practice is the power that he gave us by the Holy Ghost. What he rejoices in is watching us operate in the authority that we have received in Christ Jesus to declare those things that are not as though they were. The Father rejoices. The scripture teaches us that he rejoices so much that it says that we were created for his good pleasure. Isn't that something that when God looks at you, he just gets all this pleasure. He starts to experience this holy pleasure in saying, yes, I created him, I created her for me. But it even gets more personal. When Jesus came to your life, he did not come to you on general terms. He came to you specifically by your name. We're going to do an exercise right now. I'm going to count to three. And at the sound of three, I want you to just release your full name. Ready? One, two, three. Angel Madera. That's right. When he came to you, he came to that specific person. God is so concentrated on you that he does not look on you in general terms. That's why when God looks at me, he is not looking for number so-and-so, number so-and-so, and number so-and-so. He is looking for Angel Luis Madera Jr. He is not looking for Angel Luis Madera Sr. He already has his affections towards my father, but he also has the same affections towards me. That is why we have to understand that in Gethsemane, when we are wrestling with the will of God, the affections of God are moving us and convincing us that the will of God is perfect, it is spiritual, and it is good. That is why in Gethsemane, we win with Jesus. All of us were waiting. We were all waiting for someone to come to free us from this place of agony because once you get a taste of that presence, you want to live like that every day of your life. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my prayer times, sometimes I say to the Father, Father, I need you to manifest yourself 
It's not a thing of an addiction. It is a thing of affection. I need you to manifest yourself. I'm calling on you because my heart, it just is hungry for your presence. My mind, my carnal mind is trying to tell me, get up off the floor. You have prayed long enough. You have called unto him and nothing has happened. But the spirit of the Lord tells me, stay right there. Stay right in that place. Continue to do your warfare. Continue to call upon his name. Because the angel is about to come and give you power that you have never experienced before. When I say that there came one, no one could get us out of Gethsemane. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. All of us come to a place where we become so weakened after suffering from so many things. Uh, I've suffered many things. I'm sure all of us in here have suffered some really catastrophic things, really tragic and traumatic things. And then all of a sudden we have to contend with that. And then the enemy comes in and says to us, you still want to serve him, huh? You really still think he is that good. Look at you. He left you. You got all those tears. You are suffering that brokenness all by yourself. No one can help you. Your friends, you keep texting them, and they are not answering you back. You call upon prayer warriors, and they're too tired. But look at you now. There's nothing that you can do. Well, let me tell you something. There is something that you can do. You can tell the Lord, this cup, it is too heavy. This cup, the taste of this cup, it hurts. Every drop that has touched my personal lips in this world has brought so much tears, so many times of depression. But every time I felt like just throwing in the towel, the Spirit of the Lord would just tell me, my son, all you have to do is lift up your hands. Even if you can't do something dynamic, if you could just lift up your hands in faith, you are bringing glory to your Father. You are telling the enemy, yes, I may be failing, but yet he is still working worthy of praise and of worship. It is not about me. All of us were waiting, like I said. Adam got to his place. Abraham came to his place. David came. All of us were in Gethsemane together, and we were waiting for this one to come, the one that under the agony of humanity would then take us to a place called prayer, Pastor in one scripture, Jesus says, don't you know, if I want to, I could call upon my father right now and I can command legions of angels to come. But yet in Gethsemane, he puts the father's will before that and he lets us know, if you are going to struggle with something, make sure you're in the place of prayer. That's why he told the disciples, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. The actual Greek word there, temptation, means to pass the test. So therefore, when we ask ourselves, why are we failing the test? Why are we failing the trial? Why are we failing the affliction? Why are we failing in living out the will of God? The question is, what's your prayer life like? The old schoolers would say to me, there's no way you're going to touch a microphone and preach to the masses if you don't have a strong prayer life. They were so full of the spirit that they knew if you were praying. And so Jesus tells his disciples, pray so that you can pass the test. Isn't that something? 
and they fell asleep. And Jesus was about to be tested to the uttermost. And where does he go? It says he kneels down and he begins to pray. And when he prayed, he prayed for each and every one of us. The fact that Jesus saw all of our faces in eternity. And when I talk in those terms, I'm talking about Jesus, the super transcendent, only transcendent being in the universe. There is a doctrine called the doctrine of aseity. It is the doctrine that teaches that God is the only self-sustaining being in the universe. Everything depends upon God. Oxygen depends upon God. Neutrons depend upon God. Molecules depend upon God. The atom depends upon God. The quantum depends upon God. Gravitational pull depends upon the authority of God. The planets in their position depend upon God and his existence. The angels exist because of God. The demons exist because of God. Humans exist because of God. The smallest ant exists because of God. Therefore, we all need him. But guess what? He is the only one in the universe that is not sustained by anyone. That is why in Gethsemane we see that Jesus, the man, he is sustained by the provision of God. Not the provision of men. Next point. Gethsemane is not where I live. The enemy wants to put a permanent address into our spiritual life. And he wants us to stay there. He don't mind you praying. He just doesn't want you saying yes to the Father's will. Oh, you can pray all you want. And you can shed all the tears to the Father. Do not drink from that cup. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that when Jesus drank from the cup in Gethsemane, he drank it to its last drop. He left nothing in there. The enemy wants to make our permanent address into the place of agony. He wants our permanent address to be called Depression Street. He wants our permanent address to be called Poverty Row. He wants our permanent address to be Sick Boulevard. He wants our permanent address to be Confusion Street. He wants our permanent address to be this place. He wants it to stay there. He does not want us to see the will of God so that we can say, this hurts, but I will get past this. I will get past this. I will get past this. Because many think that the will of God is to remove you from the affliction. God is not intimidated by the affliction. Because the three friends of Daniel, when they were about to be thrown into the furnace, they said, O king, we know that our God is able to save us. And if he doesn't, and that is a scary place for most of us. But God sometimes has to take us by the hand and teach us how to walk through fire, Pastor. My son, come on. Right? Right? That cancer didn't destroy you, did it? That depression did not destroy you, did it? That anxiety has no power over you, does it? Because God does not avoid the cross. He takes us through the cross. 
Next point. I want to get past these real quick because I got something special. Because today, while we were praying here, the minister, I was sitting right where that brother sitting. And the Holy Spirit showed me something that a lot of people in here need to see and hear. There is a word that is about to drop in here in the next few minutes that is going to blow your mind. Listen to this. When we say yes, the scriptures teach us that when Jesus said yes, it says the angel came to do what? To strengthen him. Supernatural power is real, people. Be careful of who you listen to on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all these social media platforms that are telling you that you can heal yourself and all these mixtures of humanism with the gospel that are trying to get you to pull into a dimension of logic without actually revealing to you that the actual salvation that took place on the cross, yes, it happened on earth, but there was something happened in a supernatural dimension that set us free from the curse. It set us free from death. It set us free from the judgment of God. You know what that is? That the judgment of God was just waiting to eliminate humanity, and here comes the Lamb of God, and all because he said yes in Gethsemane, he moved out of Gethsemane, and he did not crawl. Let me tell you something. We, the children of God, we don't crawl out of our trials. We don't go dragging ourselves and our faces on the spiritual ground and say, oh, however, I have to get out. No, that's not the model of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus said yes, it says that he got up from the ground. And then when they came to get him, oh, yes. <clears throat> It says, he asked them, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And it says that they fell. Let me tell you something. When the enemy comes looking for you in your most vulnerable time, and he asks you, who are you? You need to say, I am so-and-so, and I am an inheritor of the promises of God. I am who I am. I am in Christ. I am in that branch, in that vine. I am blessed of God. I am a victorious son. I am a warrior of God. I am anointed of God. I am called of God. I am not the great I am, and I don't want to be. But I am who I am in Christ, and Christ's glory manifests through me so that I can tell the world, Jesus is risen, and he is real. And the angel came, and he strengthened our Lord. Isn't that something? Because in the desert, Jesus was dealing with the devil, and after he passed the test, Pastor, it says the angels came and ministered to him, and then his ministry exploded. Do you know that many ministries in the church, they're always down on the bottom platform, and they have not yet exploded because they have not told the enemy, it is him, and him only will I worship. 
It is the Lord God Almighty that gives the true bread of heaven. And it is bread that giveth life unto every soul and every believer that receiveth him. We need to tell the enemy directly what is the truth. Not this humanistic nonsense that we start to compare ourselves with the Lamb of God. We need to tell the enemy, I am not the Lamb, but I serve the Lamb. I am not the Lamb, but I am His Son. I am not the Lamb, but I am called of the Lamb. I am not the Lamb, but He is my Master. He is my Lord. And here Jesus is about to deal with another situation. And it says that the angel came. Let me tell you something. The Father will never, ever, ever leave you without the provision that you need to tackle the actual situation that is in front of you. The moment that you tell the Father, Father, I don't want to go into that fire. We need to be honest that we need to tell him, I don't want to go through that fire because I know that that fire is going to bring tears. I've never gone through something like that. But the moment that we say, Father, just don't let me go. Whatever you do, just hold on to me. My hands get weak, but your hands will never let me go. Sometimes we cry and we feel that we're letting go of God. Well, you need to change your prayer. You need to tell the Lord, Lord, even though my hand is getting weak and I feel like I'm slipping away, Father, take me by the hand. Take me so I don't slip away. Take me so that I don't stop believing in you. And this is the word that the Holy Spirit revealed to me. When we say yes to him, when we say yes to the Father, we are exalting him. And we are saying that the course of life that he has put before us, yes, it may be painful, but it is not impossible. And so when we say yes to him and we exalt him, what begins to happen is that the angels begin to come down. How many of us are waiting for angels to come down into our homes, come down into our marriages, come down into the lives of our children? But all the Holy Spirit is asking you is to say yes. Yes, he prospers us. Yes, he blesses us. The will of God, let me tell you something. The will of God became flesh. And he dwelt among men. And he demonstrated the Father's will. Because he himself said, I have what? Come to do the will of him who sent me. And so he, who is the will of the Father, came and became flesh. And he began to demonstrate to us. Some of you are called to lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Others of you have the anointing to cast out demons. Others of you have the anointing to prosper and to multiply. And I'll prove it to you. Because when the fishermen, the fishermen, men in their time that were regarded as people that basically their vocation was just beneath everyone. What does Jesus do? Jesus tells them, hey, cast your net. What is it that you got? Oh, I got this little tow truck business. Uh, it's nothing. Uh, okay, I'll tell you what. When I tell you to start giving out your business card in certain places, I'm going to command the fish to come to you. He has power over the fish. You know who the fish are? People. 
when your net is prepared correctly. Because in the gospel it says when Jesus came to call them, it says that they were fixing their nets. Then all of a sudden when he tested them the first time, it said that the nets started to break. Then in another time, they had to call for help because it was just too much. But guess what? When graduation day came, Pastor, after the resurrection, it says that Jesus stood on the shore. And he said, did you catch anything? And they said, no, we fished all night. And he says, well, cast your nets on this side. And when they did it, it says in the scripture, you can search it yourself. It says, and they pulled the fish in and the nets did not break. God just transitions us from one level of knowledge and understanding so that we come to a place where our net no longer breaks. And so the Holy Spirit was revealing to me that as we, as the sons of God, say yes, he starts to elevate us. But then the angels are coming down. And when we keep saying yes to him, the angels just keep coming down. I don't know about you, but I believe in the ministry of angels. I don't want to stop the angels from coming down in my life. Oh. God is so, 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 so good. I am going through something right now, but I can say right here, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Next point. It is by the Spirit. When I first started working, walking with the Lord, I thought it was by mental ascendance. Oh, I believe, I believe, you know, you would just go into the ice squinting thing. I believe, Jesus, I believe. And, you know, you're trying to convince you, I believe, I believe. And then these emotions would come and say, no, no, I believe. And, and, and I thought that that's how faith operated. <laughs> See, y'all laughing because we can relate. Faith is not by mental ascendance. That is not how faith works. Faith operates like this. You pray. You ask God a question. How do I get out of this? What do I do? What direction in life do I take? As you pray, you get closer. Why do you think the devil wants to keep stopping believers from praying? I love what Pastor Fabian said the last time I was here. He said, when you pray, the forces of darkness... They start to flee from you. When you stop praying, they start to come in. Yeah, and they start to form around you. What happens? We pray, we ask a question. God lead us. God gives his instruction. When we say yes to the instruction and we obey the instruction, now we are carrying out not my will, but the will of God. When we execute the will of God, then things manifest. It is by the spirit, not by flesh. Flesh is me trying to guess what the will of God is. Because when I guess, I have to go into my own mental Rolodex and say, oh, well, scripture says this, and scripture says this. And meanwhile, the Holy Spirit is tapping on my shoulder and say, hey, son, I want to talk to you not right now, dad. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do this. And the Holy Spirit is telling me, my son, I have the answer. Not right now. Look, I, soon, all right. Uh, and then we just start quoting scripture, and it's like there's no more powerful thing to quote scripture when the Holy Spirit actually anoints you to quote that text. Yeah. 
Jesus is the living text. And the living text was in Gethsemane. And the living text agreed with the will of God. This is the will of God for your life. There is no other book. I know there are religions that say, yes, not true. This is the will of God. I know teachers that spend more time trying to figure out the craziest mysteries about God. And I'm like, if you, with that anointed mind, would spend more time teaching us about the will of God, a lot more people would be blessed and come out of their situations. And so the living text agreed with the inspiration or the one who gives the inspiration of the text. Oh, this is so good. And so the living text and then the father had a conversation in Gethsemane. And the living text could not deny that in order to defeat the powers of darkness, it has to execute the will of God. There is no other way to actually defeat the actual powers of God. To defeat the powers of God, it is actually to obey and walk in the living text and to execute his will. Sorry. I thought that was somebody else. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly thought that was somebody else. I was like, I'm going to just keep preaching. That person, they'll turn off their phone. Right? Right? And here's the crazy thing. It was my mother. She's probably watching me. <laughs> so anyway... Oh, man. See how God just breaks and changes the atmosphere, right? Oh, man. So anyway, getting back to what I was saying, it is by the Spirit. Because when Jesus said yes, even though his flesh was warring against him, he said yes to the Holy Spirit. And it says, and Jesus said yes, and as a result, we walked out with him. We walked out. Gethsemane experiences in your human life is not for you to make a campfire. It is not for you to roll out your sleeping bag and say, well, you know, I come from a broken home. And yes, that's horrible. My dad did this and, you know, I never had this. And I never, that, my friends, if you are in Christ and you are doing that, you are actually rolling out your sleeping bag and you are actually accommodating yourself in Gethsemane. That is not where we live. I may go through Gethsemane because Jesus went there, but it says he left too. If we find ourselves in Gethsemane, Jesus is not there telling us, my son, I'm going to keep you here for the next 15 years. No, that's not him. That is not his will. That is not the will of God. That is not the heart of God. Men think like that. Demons think like that. He does not think that way. There is no darkness in him. None. It can't even come close to him. That is how powerful he is. And that is the purity of his heart. And so when we are in Gethsemane, he shows up to tell us, okay, here is the lesson to learn. Because in Gethsemane, Jesus has to then taste the
the fullness of that agony for all of us so that we can relate to him. So that when we find ourselves going through a Gethsemane experience, we know who we can talk to. We know that we can tell him, this is crushing me on the inside. Because Gethsemane is a place of crushing. Some people, I, I just sometimes Christians say things that are just so far out there. Lord, just take me back to Gethsemane. I need my anointing back. Just crush me, Lord. Crush me. I'm like, you are insane. We need to pray for you. Okay? How are you going to tell God to crush you? Because you're testing him. And so when we find ourselves going through Gethsemane, he takes the time to teach us and say, now do you see why you have to be compassionate to people? If there is pride in our heart, why he has to humble us in Gethsemane? So that the next time that we see somebody afflicted in a workplace, we go up to them and say, hey, it's none of my business, but I see you're not yourself. Is everything okay? And even if you get the brush off and the person says, yeah, I'm fine. Well, you know what? You can leave a Jesus business card. You know what that is? Well, you know what? You need somebody to pray for you. Or if you just want to talk or whatever, I'm right here. Okay? I'm not going to bother you. But I am offering this to you. I've been through those experiences with him. Because when God starts to lift you up and he begins to sanctify you. Let me tell you something. We cannot sanctify ourselves of anything unless God sanctifies us. Because the Holy Spirit is the holy sanctifier. And so in Gethsemane is where the Father starts to deal with our own immaturity. It's not that Jesus was immature. It's that the Father knew in the future we in our processes of maturity would have to go through our Gethsemane experiences because the Father wants to entrust unto us, Pastor, levels of blessing and power and authority. But because he is so wise and so perfect, he will not entrust something to us that will destroy us. And the Son of God was at the perfect age where he could go through Gethsemane and say, Father, not my will. This is not about me. This is about you. This is about you rescuing my potential brothers and sisters that need to come to the cross. My suffering, it kills me on the inside. No one should say, hey, I like that pain. That's nonsense. Because if that was the case, Jesus would still be on the cross. And so Jesus, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, that for the joy that was set before him, he was looking beyond the cross. He knew that the cross was an event, not an everyday, daily thing. Because let me tell you something, people misinterpret the text when it says, oh, we have to carry our cross daily. You can't carry the cross without the resurrection power of Christ in you. That is impossible. The cross of our Lord is too heavy. It requires the power of the Holy Ghost to carry that cross. But it's beautiful, though, when we see the fact that Jesus walking in the street and tripping under the weight of that cross, that the Father then, he gives him the provision so that the Son would not be alone while he is carrying the cross. 
many people think that it is something honorable to say, Lord, I don't need help. I can just carry this cross. Mm -mm, that's not the heart of the Holy Spirit. The heart of the Holy Spirit is when we begin to cry and say, Abba, this cross, it is too much for me to bear. That is what he is waiting for us. Because when we say that to him, that is when the one comes to us and he gives us of his power so that we can bear that cross. Last point. Conclusion, when we do the will of God, the result will be the exit of where we are. So many times in my discussions with Pastor Fabian, uh, we discuss depressions and we live in a society of high depression. Why? Because they have completely taken their eyes off the one who gives hope. When we lose sight of hope, depression comes. Because we have nowhere to direct our hope. We have nowhere to put our eyes upon. Jesus, when he said yes... He creates the exit door. And isn't it interesting, and I'll finish with this. Isn't it interesting that the first Adam, he is kicked out of the garden. And he is brought into this place of suffering. Him and all his human children, all of them. The second Adam comes into the place of suffering to then bring out the children that would become born again so that he can bring them into the place of his blessing and his covering. That is why when we continue every day to seek his face and we grow in the spirit to say yes to the will of God, you won't be where you are for very long. We are spirits that have souls, right, that live in a body. But there is something we have to remember every day. We are in transition. From faith to faith, from glory to glory. We are in transition. If we're going to cry, hey, take that time to cry. Your tears are so precious to Jesus that the scripture says in the book of Revelation that your tears are kept in a bottle. <laughs> Even to the point where your prayers are kept in that bottle too. And it says that the angel poured that bottle upon the earth, the wrath of God. All the tears that we shed under that affliction, every time the enemy touched something that belonged to us and just, it broke us in two. But the God that I serve, he's the God that can take broken pieces and make them whole. That is how powerful he is. I just want to exalt and bless the name of my Lord. And I just want to say, you're not alone when you say yes. When you say yes, things begin to move. You want to see things move in your life? I don't know what you're going through. But I can tell you that the lesson of Gethsemane is when we do say yes, the angel will come down. It came down for Jesus, but guess what? When we say yes, it's Jesus himself. He is the angel that watches over us. There are angels that minister to us, but when his children call on him, hey, he does manifest that power and he does come. So therefore, at this time, let us all bow our heads. <sighs> Father, thank you. Thank you so, so much for your presence. Father, thank you. 
Father, thank you so much for sending the living word to demonstrate to us. Oh, Father, your will, your will, your will. How to love people. How to be compassionate towards people. How to lift up the broken. How to pray for the sick. Father, how to pray for the oppressed. Father, your son demonstrated the perfect will. The perfect will of God. And therefore, Father, I just pray for everyone here. Father, that may be going through a struggle. That may be going through, Father, their own Gethsemane experiences. And Father, I know that there is no bed for anyone in Gethsemane. Father, that is not our habitation. Whatever the enemy has told people and telling them, you will always be in this place of affliction. That's a lie. I declare the truth of God. That where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Therefore, Father, I just present all their needs. I present their battlefields. I present every, every Gethsemane experience in here. And I ask you, Father, that you give them courage, strength, valor to say yes to your will. Because that is the moment where they will rise. They will stand like the Lamb of God. And they will walk out of the garden. They will walk out of the place of crushing. And they will execute your will. Giving glory and honor to the one who died for us on the cross. I declare healing. I declare prosperity. I declare, oh Lord God, all those things that were in waiting. Father, because, oh Lord God, we are saying yes to you in this season. Those things will be released. The power of God will be released upon their lives, upon their children, upon their husbands, wives, father, grandchildren, businesses, oh Lord God. Lord, prayer life, all of those things will be touched because your blessing is like rain. It saturates and it touches everything. It touches everything. You command the clouds, Lord God, to touch everything. There is no dry thing, no dry thing in the life of the believer. For you are the Lord God that commands the rains of restoration, the rains of joy, the rains of happiness, the rains of healing of all types, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. Lord, because your power is complete. And therefore, Father, in Jesus' name, I just say thank you. I say thank you, Father. Thank you. Tomorrow is the day, oh Lord God, where we will shout and we will give thanks and commemorate and honor, Lord God, the day in which the Spirit of the Lord resurrected, resurrected our Lord and Savior. And therefore, Father, I command, oh Lord God, that these blessings, oh Lord, come upon them. May the shalom of God, Lord, come upon every family here, every young person, every marriage. Oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.